Welcome to the Third and East Podcast. My name is Patrick Pernadas along with Swell Moyle. So Moyle, how are you doing today after the regular season has finally come to a close and we're the first week into the new year? I am good. How are you doing? I'm looking forward to – got a lot of topics to talk about and we have the historic national championship game that we <laughs> – yeah, it was uh, historic for all the wrong reasons and everything. It was a dominant team. We'll get into that, of course, in a bit here and everything. Uh, it's been good here and everything. I do want to start off the show um, on a somber note with a tribute to my grandfather who passed away this past Saturday and everything. Um, uh, Patrick William Prendergast uh, really taught me. Uh, he really uh, got me into sports and everything. He taught me the ins and outs of everything. Um, he was definitely a betting man. Uh, loved the po- loved the ponies. Um, loved loved football and all sports. A big New York Giants fan in baseball. Um, became you know became a Giants fan in football as well. But baseball was really good. Uh, baseball and horse racing was really his passion. Uh, a man who has had a great influence on my life, and I'll be giving his eulogy at the wake uh, uh, in a couple of days here and everything. So I'm definitely honored, uh, but rest in peace, Bob. I do love you. Rest in peace. So we get into it, Sloan, here and everything tonight. Um, it's not our normal night. We usually do this on Wednesdays. Today is Tuesday for obvious mm-hmm. reasons here and everything. But let's get into it um, because um, the fun. You know, the NFL season, believe it or not, has come and gone. Um, it's now officially the postseason, which is such a weird feeling. And we have to recap what happened um, last weekend. I think we're going to start off um, really quickly with the AFC South, really the championship game, and the Titans and the Jaguars. Where the Titans were leading that game for the majority of the game. And the Jaguars, it wasn't the Jaguars' offense. It was the defense that won in that game. Yeah, Tennessee was in, I guess, a win-and-you're-in situation. And, honestly, the game was theirs to just close out. Josh Dobbs had played a solid enough game. He didn't turn the ball over. Looks better than Malik Willis has looked all year, if I'm being frank. And just, unfortunately, the Jags pulled it out at the end. They just wanted it a little bit more. But I think I've talked to you about it. The Titans have lost seven in a row now. They went on a seven-game losing streak. But their their last their last victory was in that Green Bay on Thursday Night Football. And it looked like that they were back and they were quite you know, they looked like that they were a solid team. And it seems like it's ever since they lost Ryan it's you know, ever you know, if Ryan Tannehill has some, you know, points to be made, yeah, he's overpaid and everything. He's definitely a starting quarterback in this league and everything. The Titans have really gone downhill. I mean, when we, we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, the Packers here in a bit, but both number one seeds last year are now out of the playoffs, which really does say something. Um, the Jaguars defense with that forced fumble and everything really, um, I mean, that was a game here and everything, but they really played a good game. You know, they, Derrick Henry had over 100 yards, but he was still limited to just about three and a half yards per carry, which is not really what you want Derrick Henry to do. That's that Jaguars defense. Uh, I think Joshua Dobbs played a fine game um, for what um, for what he's worth and everything. Um, but it was really um, and the Jaguars couldn't do anything on the ground. I mean, they only had they only had um, 20 yards of uh, rushing yards the entire game. And Lawrence didn't really have his best game either. It was that defense like we talked about and everything. Um, this is a dangerous team that's going into the playoffs here. 
Yeah, they got hot when they needed to, and they can. They've shown that they can win a couple ugly games where maybe the you know the passing game doesn't go very well. Like a few weeks ago at Houston, Trevor Lawrence had a bad game there. Uh, this week it was a little bit different. The run game struggled, but he was able to come through at the end. So they've shown me they can win these ugly games, and that makes it a little bit more reassuring. I don't know if it'll be enough to get them to you know maybe the conference title game, but I think they can at least win. I think they can win at least one playoff game. They went five and zero. They're undefeated. They went undefeated in December and obviously undefeated. In, I mean, I don't think they went undefeated in December, but they won their last five games here and everything. Uh, their, their last loss was against the Lions in Detroit and everything. Game that they uh, really got blown out and everything. But yeah, you know, they beat the Titans. They beat the Cowboys. They beat um, a Jets team on the road, of course. Uh, I mean, they they have some decent. You know, they beat the Titans twice. Um, all in the last five weeks. I mean, those are solid. You know, these are not cupcake games that they play in or anything. These are actually some decent games. So this is a team that's staying hot at the right time um, that we have to definitely say is going to be a threat for the playoffs here and everything. Um, obviously, Titans are uh, in a free fall, losing seven in a row. Um, you know, so somebody had to win that division. Jacksonville did. They're um, also the fourth team in NFL history to come back from starting three and eight. Um, on a year, if they um, I think they they finish. I think they started off three and eight or four and eight, but they wound up nine and eight. So that says a lot about that team here and everything. Uh, we're gonna talk about the games here now. Let's start with the early slate, Sloan. Um, so we had really three teams in the playoff breaks and everything. So there was really three games that everybody was watching. All the other ones didn't really matter. I'm not gonna talk about the Ravens and the Bengals because. Um, that division, the division was already settled on. Down the Bengals officially won that division, so I'm not going to really talk about that game. So the three games that everybody was watching was the Browns and the Steelers. The Steelers took care of business, as they were expected against the Browns. Um, the Patriots and Bills was a fun game to watch, though, man. Uh, Naheem Hines as kick return, um, to, to first play of the game to have a kickoff return, um, especially after the whole situation or anything. Um, really says a lot. Um, but to um, especially when the Patriots come back, they tie the game or you know make it uh, make their game and everything for Naheem Hines to run it back again, 101 yards, and really put the dagger in that game. That was really something. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Really, really, hats off to Naheem Hines on that one. Didn't didn't and, seem to get enough publicity for that game, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, 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 def, it definitely did. I mean, obviously, it was a very emotional game and everything. Um, Bills, you know, I still consider the Chiefs an asterisk for the one seed. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Bills should be getting the one seed, but we're there. You know, obviously, there's a lot bigger things factors at play. Um, and then, of course, we had the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, Dolphins were needing that playoff spot. It, you know, Jets were you – know, both teams were actually down to their third-string quarterback in this game. And Miami just won an ugly-ass game, 11-6. Um, the Dolphins win with the Patriots losing. The Dolphins are the seventh seed into the playoff run, but they do have quarterback questions going into the postseason. I'm concerned about how they're going to perform because while they got off to that really hot start, I think at one point they were 6-0 and or 7-0, and and they've kind of gone on a skid. So I'm a little concerned with how they're going to be rolling into the postseason with quarterback troubles and with how just the team has been playing these last few weeks. 
Oh, definitely without question. I think the run game is is staying um hot at the right time, which is good to see for them and everything. And then with the four, with really the NFC slate here, um, really uh, the giant, the Eagles took care of business against the Giants. Wasn't really a pretty game for the Eagles, in all honesty, because they really let the Giants who were resting Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. They only won by one score, which those says a lot about the Giants in this game more than the Eagles. I think the Eagles kind of laid it a little bit low in this game. Um, but, uh, you know, this Giants team has a little bit of depth than what we're accustomed to and everything. Um, 49ers should care of business against the Cardinals. They locked up the two seed. Um, the uh, Cowboys with a, even a slight chance at the NFC um, East title completely blow it against the Commanders. I think when I saw the Eagles score, they just laid a complete egg, but they didn't even get the chance. And the Seahawks survived the Rams in overtime. Yeah, I was expecting much more out of the Seahawks offense in that game going up against a Rams team that's just been really, really, really disappointing. Jalen Ramsey can still play. He had a heck of a game. He made a really costly penalty, but that did not cost him a game or anything. Um, the Seahawks had enough firepower, and that led up to Sunday Night Football. And um, the Packers really out, they outplayed the Lions in this game for the most part. But it was just costly penalties. It was costly mistakes. And they didn't turn in a complete game. And that is what's going to keep Green Bay out of the postseason. Yeah, it's about finishing. It's about finishing. They, they were, like you said, they were in control for most of the game, just about all of it. And just yet again, trouble holding on to leads, trouble closing out games, trouble just across the board. So it's going to be a couple – there's a few questions that need to be answered in Green Bay in the offseason. No, without question. I I would definitely point out um, Aaron Jones fumbling again in a big game is definitely a concern. Yes. Um, I, I knew when he fumbled that football, I'm like, this is going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, them not capitalizing after two drives into the red zone. I'm like, here we go. The, the Packers in the red zone against Detroit this year were absolutely abysmal. They only scored one time out of 10 possessions in the red zone this year against mm. Detroit, which is absolutely awful. Yeah, I can't win um, football games to, that to, way. To score, well, it was touchdowns. But, you know, they had five turnovers out of those 10, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then, um, to top it, you know, to top it all off, um, Clay Walker gets ejected uh, after, hitting the offic- uh, after hitting the trainer and everything. Russell Douglas makes a complete bonehead play that gives Detroit an extra 15 yards. And um, I don't know if it's Rogers' elbow or whatever the heck you want to call his injury and everything, or it's Rogers checking out in a big game. And um, apparently he wants to keep the jersey. Um, that might be signs for tell. He might be retiring. He might want out of Green Bay. Um, there's 56 million. There's 56 million um, reasons why he shouldn't. Why he should play next year. Um, but now it's you know it seems like it's going to be Brett Favre over and over again over there in Green Bay, and uh, they deserve to. They there's good teams don't make mistakes. They capitalize on them. Green Bay made too many mistakes all year. Um, their stint in October and everything has pre- uh, prevented them from making the playoffs, and they deserve to miss the playoffs this year. Agreed. Besides, they would have gotten blown out by San Francisco anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, Sloan, we're going to um, – obviously, the uh, two of the big um, 
I think the only two coaches, I believe it or not, that were fired, um, obviously your boy in Lovey Smith was gone from Houston. And we can't forget that your Houston Texans decided to blow their chance at the number one seed by winning and being the Indianapolis Colts on a miraculous last-second pass. <laughs> it was beautiful. I'll tell you what, I, I'm not even mad that they cost the number one pick because for who they're going for, who I'm assuming they're going for, they don't need it. They really don't. So I mean, Chicago's not going to trade that pick away. I you love don't it. Think, you don't think Chicago's going to trade that pick away? I well, here, well, here, well. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, we're going to talk about this at draft time and everything. There's not a foregone uh, conclusion. I think either Chicago's going to trade that pick, or they're going to trade away Justin Fields. It's going to be one of the two. I think I think Chicago's going to select their quarterback or and trade, trade Justin Fields away, or they're going to pick Will Anderson. It's going to be one of the two. They need to pick Will Anderson, in my opinion. I know. So here's the re, here's here's one reason. Chicago was 32nd in points allowed. They were dead last in the NFL in points allowed. When was the last time a Bears defense was dead last in the NFL? It's been oh a year. I, I, I mean, couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you either. Because you, 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 everyone thinks the Bears are one of those like five teams in the NFL that always have good defense. They were terrible this year. Yeah, it was really, really, really uncharacteristic for them. Whenever you're, I want to say they were 30th in against the run, and they were 30, and they were last in, against the pass. Which, of course, it's an average. You have to average up the amount of yards, but they were dead last. And that's a and I know they were last in points allowed. That's a problem. That's a problem. Now, to be fair, the Bears, the NFC North had the toughest schedule in the league this year. The Bears had the had the number one roughest schedule and in that's the league true. this year. And that's true. It was a rough schedule, but whenever you give up that many points, there's a either everyone was hurt on defense or there's just a complete lack of talent on defense. Well, yes. When you give up, when you give up, Swift and a couple of your other guys. Yeah. But the, the, fun, the funniest thing about the Bears is, so they get the number one overall pick. So this is, you know, all the Packers fans um, with me here and everything, we're all like, ah, shit, the Bears got the number one pick. But you trade away your the top second round pick for Chase Claypool. Yes. <laughs> Who did nothing? Who did nothing? Just nothing. It, it, I don't know, man. The, the Bears are the Bears are in a really, really, really ugly spot for the next few years. Because here's the thing: if they do draft a quarterback, what's that going to change? What What exactly is that going to change? Okay. He's going to go to the Worst. same three and thirteen team, the same horrible offense with no receivers and no offensive line. And Chicago's, if they do draft a QB, it's going to be a huge mistake. Or if they trade Justin Fields away, and I'm not saying he's good, but right now replacing him wouldn't do you any good. At least build up a defense so you can slow the scores a little bit and maybe give him a chance to you know, get a few ugly touchdowns in. I'm just, I'm just making a call right now. I think they're going to trade down. I really, I mean, if they're the Bears, you have to trade down because you can get a haul. For that pick, because it seems like Bryce Young's going to be a hot commodity in this draft. I mean, he seems like he's going to be the number one pick and everything. It's and there's a lot of quarterback need teams in this draft, and some that have some high picks. So it's going to be interesting to see 
what happens. But Lovey Smith, you know, he was a good gap coach. I think the Texans actually played pretty hard um, for the talent that they had and everything. There's a, you know, he was basically a scapegoat there. Yeah, yeah, and then to go three thirteen and one, Cal McNair is not going to take the fall. He can't fire Nick Casario because he's accumulating draft picks. He seems to be pretty good at that. And yeah, the only person who could get fired here was Lovey Smith. So there's a few head coaching candidates. I don't know which then, ones would want to come here. Yep. And then of course, some we have to talk about your boy, the one that you that both of us called, in Cliff Studsbury, Kingsbury. Yep. Are we really are we really surprised? I definitely can't. I don't think we can even blame us uh, for calling this one. Because he was definitely not a college hit. He was def he was a disaster in the NFL. Definitely outcoached by any stretch of the imagination and brought down his competition. Yes, just I'm surprised he lasted this long, especially watching the first two years. And just being wow, you know, he, he really hasn't changed. You got to remember, this is a guy who had Patrick Mahomes for three years in college and didn't win more than seven games with him. I do think <laughs> I do think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be is going to go back into into uh, college and everything as well, though. Uh, I just don't know where yet, but yeah, he, will, he, he was, will be a coach. He will, he will, he will be a good coach at the college level. If you know, maybe a smaller school where he can use. He is a good offensive mind, so he can use that little bit of fame that he has to you know, get some early recruits but, somewhere at a small wait, school. You know what he should do? He's you know what call you know what college head coach right now that he should follow the uh, a very similar mindset to. I don't think he yeah he was an NFL head coach I believe. Um, who, who his it seems like his prospects he's not as hated for Kingsbury as this guy, but he should do what Dwayne Kiffin did. Yeah. Because Wayne Tiffin went to Florida Atlantic and really turned that program around. And that's what landed him the old Miss job. Yeah, I mean, it's like, hey, because before he got there, they were just so bad. And they were just, they were ass. What, it was, it was what, crazy watching them be so bad. I wouldn't be surprised if Quince Pinsbury winds up at a Pac-12 store or a Big 12 store coming up. I think that I mean I think he should avoid the SEC like the plague. He should avoid the Big Ten like the plague. Those were his two conferences. Um, but the Cardinals had to do what they had to do. Um, couple, um, they actually uh, their GM also stepped down as well. So it's going to be a changing of the guard in Arizona. Kyler Murray can't be happy what he's saying to there, but he kind of deserves it in a way. Uh, actually, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is also rumored to be on the train uh, block, which we'll discuss. Um, in a few months here and everything, um, which should be interesting. Um, I do worry about his age and his health, of course. Yeah, just got all those draft picks from Houston to get Hopkins and yeah. did did nothing with him. Houston is actually not – everyone criticized that trade at the time. Houston's looking better and better. Bill O'Brien actually might have been onto something in that trade. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's not that trade doesn't look as bad as people think now. I mean, they did get David Johnson, but still. And we also got a third round draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> Browns fired their defensive coordinator and Joe Woods. Um, 
you know, it's amazing that um, a, t- a team with as much talent as the Browns, with how bad they struggled this year and everything. So they, uh, he deserved to go there and everything. Um, and our uh, Titans fired their offensive uh, coordinator, um, Ed Todd uh, Downing, um, um, who has had very limited um, players on offense, especially this year and everything. Outside then Derrick Henry, so I'm not sure about that one. And then Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, was let go today. No other big coordinators. I didn't see any other ones. Nope. It's been kind of – it's been a very quiet coaching carousel so far. Yeah. Yeah, they fired everyone they needed to during the season, I guess. Yep. Now, obviously, we do have the big rumor – it seems like the Broncos are making big moves here in the coaching aspect because they're asking to interview John Harbaugh on Mission, who apparently will interview, which is very interesting. And Sean Payton will be interviewing with the Denver Broncos as well. And apparently the Broncos and Saints have agreed to terms on trading compensation for Sean Payton. Oh, Mm-hmm. Apparently, they are okay with the compensation for the pits and everything. So they're on the same terms. That's him. And Russell Wilson looked better in the last few weeks. Yeah, well, in the last game of the season, he played pretty well. Uh, yeah, the, that, that Rams game was oof. Oh, God. It was that terrible. was rough. <laughs> Worst game I've ever seen him play. Uh, and Peyton Hacker has to come back to Green Bay just for the red zone offense. That's all I'm going to say about that. If he will. Yeah, well, if he gets fired after a head coaching position like that for one year, I would honestly take a year off from coaching altogether and just refocus my life. I would. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, honestly would. So let's switch gears. We talked about a little about the draft, but college football is now officially over. Sloan, which yeah. is such a sad story hearing everything. And it, of course, culminated with a absolutely, you know, we thought it was number three TCU being the upstart story. Going into, going into uh, SoFi Stadium to take on undefeated Georgia. Um, Stetson Bennett got going. He, um, they got to a 10 from week. GCU had a really nice drive um, to uh, make it a one-score game. And ever since then, it was just completely all Georgia. And it wound, you know, it was 38-7 to seven at halftime. And it wound up being a 65-7 to seven route. Setson Bennett was actually pulled, I believe, in the third quarter in this game. He wound up 18-25, 304 yards and Four touchdowns. What an unbelievable performance he had and everything. The Georgia offense rushed nine guys on that field, which is just unbelievable numbers. Um, Georgia was easy, is just easily the best team all year and everything. CCU's Super Bowl, per se, was the Michigan game. They played unbelievable against Michigan. Unbelievable. It's a disappointment that they completely waited in Georgia, but Georgia was that good this year. Yeah, yeah. It it really goes back to um look if you look at the last five years, Georgia's been on the up and up. They've had a top five recruiting class all five of those years. And in the same time span, 
TCU has played in one postseason, and I mean bowl games is postseason. They have had no five-star recruits because they never get any. And they haven't been ranked higher than I believe thirty third. They, they've had they've had a few five star recruits, but a, a few of them transferred from that program, especially after uh, what's his name left, um, the head coach. Yeah, once once Gary, once Gary Patterson got fired, you know he was. Um, you got to remember he'd been there twenty years. He'd yes, been there a long right. time. He'd been there a really long time. No one, no one thought this TCU team was going to be. They were unranked in the in the preseason polls. They were. They were. They were picked to finish uh, seven and five, I believe. They, they were. So there, you got to remember, Sonny Dykes. This is his first year. This is a rebuild year, and they just exceeded expectations. But whenever people say five stars don't mean anything, whenever people say recruiting classes don't mean that much, Georgia's been top five the last five years. Mm-hmm. They've won two national championships and they've played in three. So tell me it doesn't matter. Georgia, the Georgia, Georgia's program is as good as Clemson and um, as Clemson and um, Alabama obviously were right. five or ten years ago, if not better. Right now, I mean they're almost as good as that. Um, they're going on a run that is almost USC level back 20 years ago. Um, if they continue this undefeated trend and everything, they've been that dominant. And honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even know who's going to be the best team next year and everything. And Georgia keeps saying we're in green class. I expect Georgia to be right up there. Kirby Smart is doing what Kirby Smart does, and I think his defense is going to show up no matter what. I mean, when he when he bolted to Georgia, he was obviously a big part of that program with Alabama and everything. He is bringing a culture to that program. Yeah, and Georgia was lost uh, in the early two thousands. They were t- they were not a good football team. That was not a good school for football. Now, they were good in the 80s and 90s, you know, and they were really good in the 80s and everything, but Georgia was, um, was a really a lost program and everything, and now they're back and back, and they might, and they're better than ever right now. Yeah, I mean, I've, in my lifetime, I've never seen them be this dominant for a two or three year stretch. And for and years, are- whenever the playoffs first started, you know, it, they made all these certain journalists down here in Houston had pretenders lists and they were always on it. And other, other major demographics had pretenders lists and Georgia was always there. Plenty of talent in the backyard. They just can't get it. And now they finally are able to, and it's showing. Uh And they could have won that championship against two, um, when two, you know, they dominated Jalen Hurts and then two came in there and just completely changed the game and everything. They should have won that championship. So this could have been, this, this could have been three championships in, what, five years that they could have had? Yeah. Which is just – I mean, it's been an unbelievable run for um, the Georgia Bulldogs and everything. Um, my 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 parents are in Clemson country, even though they root for the Gamecocks, but they are actually pretty close to Athens, Georgia and everything. I mean, they had – they had, it was bleeding red in South Carolina yesterday and everything. And Georgia, Georgia right now – is easily the best football program in the country, and pull my finger if there's anyone that you can tell me else one otherwise. They are a dominant program, and I expect them to be the same next year. Yeah, I, I don't expect them to miss a beat at all. I, I I'm already picking them for next year. 
Yeah, I, I, I know. And Stetson, what a story Stetson Bennett is. Um, you know, to go to walk on to the school that he wanted to play for and everything. Um, you know, to and then get scholarshiped and then being the starting quarterback and go on a run like he did. What an unbelievable story to tap off his career. We'll see if it gets him any NFL draft stock. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not Brandon Whedon s, but he's too old, in my opinion, um, to warrant any. I think a team, a team will get him a chance. Yeah. The one thing I'm going to say about Georgia compared to Alabama, what are the pro prospects Georgia's had in the last few years compared to Alabama? Georgia's winning in the pro ranks compared to Alabama. Oh yeah, they're. It's about getting these guys who are legit five stars and not someone who got them when they were 15 or 16. Like, these are grown men they're giving them to. So, just in college football, recruiting is key. You got to know how to develop them, though. And Kirby Smart's really good at that. And they're, they are kind of passing Alabama up. Look how many people transferred away from Alabama. Uh-huh. Oh, definitely. That's not happening in Georgia. So we're going to be talking about the next. Um, so Sloan, it's officially Wild Card Weekend. Oh man! And that means we have six games. We have six teams. Yes, we have six teams to get to, and we're going to spend a few minutes on each one because now it's the playoffs. You don't have to do as many games and everything. But we're going to break these games game by game and really go into it. Um, and then obviously we're going to pick a winner. And pick somebody to root, you know, to look out for, of course. So we're going to start with the number seven seed, the Seattle Seahawks, visiting the number two seed in the San Francisco 49ers in the Bay. In this old, in this NFC West rivalry, it's going to be over under a 42 and a half. The 49ers are a nine and a half point favorite here. This is going to feature Sloan. Um, actually, it's a two top ten offenses. Really, the big difference in this game is going to be the defenses. The Seattle Seahawks have the 20th rate defense versus, of course, the number one ranked defense in San Francisco. Seattle is 4 and 4 on the road. San Francisco is 8 and 1 at home this year. Yeah, they're what really do you, tough. You give Seattle a shot in this game. Not really, no. Um, and reason, reason being is. Um, just seeing how they played the last four weeks as a whole. I know Geno's had some big moments, but as a whole, they have not played very well. They haven't run the ball that great. And to be honest with you, I can't not roll with the hot hand. Brock Purdy is the hot hand in the NFL in the NFL right now. And of course they still have that really good defense and they're coached well. Why? I just I just I, I don't I don't give the Seahawks much of a chance. I think the nine point spread is fair. I do see it being closer to, you know, two touchdown game though. I, I, I see I see this game getting out of hand pretty quickly. I do not speak very highly of the Seahawks, especially with the way that they play down the stretch. Now these two teams met back a couple weeks ago in Seattle. Uh, San Francisco won that game pretty handily, twenty one to thirteen. And they met uh, way back early on in the season where San Francisco won 27-7 in Seattle. And that's when Seattle was actually playing pretty good football. Um, 
to me, I mean, the, there, there's injury concerns on the 49ers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually some parts of their defense. Uh, Greenlaw is injured. Um, McCaffrey actually also has an injury, uh, has a knee injury. Uh, he's going to be expected to play, but he is a little banged up right now. So there is a little bit of concern with that with the 49ers. I know they looked really bad on defense against the um, Las Vegas Raiders a couple of weeks ago and everything. I do think they win this game. I think they win this game by 17 points. Yeah, that's And all honesty, I think this is going to be a snooze fest of the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it being very competitive. I I think the season for the Seahawks ends here, but good for them. They got they got further than I thought they would. Oh, I mean, Pete, this is Pete Carroll's finest job as a head coach. I called for his ass last year in the offseason. I thought he should have been let go. Um, I was dead wrong. Um, there's a reason why. I mean, Pete Carroll. I I'm not saying putting him. Uh, I don't think he. You know, I don't think he'll be in the coaching Hall of Fame. Um, you know, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, given. Um, his circumstances, especially on a collegiate level. Um, but um, he's proven himself to be a fine head coach now more than ever, um, especially with less talent around him this year. And Geno Smith is playing, is still playing pretty well. I mean, that Rams defense last week is no jo- is still no joke. Even without Aaron Donald, there's still a defense. That's still a defensive football team and everything. I mean, he's playing pretty well. I think the key to this game, though, Sloan, it's going to be DK. I think DK Metcalf and, uh, is going to have to get. I mean, he is going to have to take over his team in order for the Seattle Seahawks to have a chance to stay. In my opinion, hundred percent. Especially because the secondary of the Se- of the Forty ers is the weakness, as me and you have talked about for ever and ever. It seems like that's that would be my one big concern if he takes the lid off of them. That that would be the only thing that I worry about them going for. But they still have that pretty good pass rush, and I just don't think Geno Smith is equipped to handle that. Yeah, this is to me. This is a really bad to me. This is a really bad matchup for the Seahawks and everything. This is the team that they don't want. I think the Seattle Seahawks, if they played like the Eagles or the Cowboys in the first round, I think this would have been much better for them to play the 49ers in the first round. Match in disaster. Give me the 49ers here, big. So we go to the second game on the schedule, Sloan. And we are going to be talking about, of course, the Chargers and two upstart programs and the Chargers and the, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game will be played uh, on uh, NBC on Saturday night um, with, the, with the Chargers are going to be a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. The 10-7 Chargers taking on the night. Nine, eight, Jacksonville Jaguars in a battle of the two, really two, actually similar teams in a way. Um, and I say that because you have Herbert and Warrens. Herbert's going to be the better passer overall. Terrell Lawrence actually has the better rating this year. Two very similar running backs in Eckler and ETN with how they're being used. ETN being the better runner, um, but both are very good pass catchers. Um, you have two decent receivers in Keenan Allen and Christian Kirk. When we look at both of these teams, it's number 10 offense uh, versus the 11th ranked offense um, in the league with the first ranked passing attack. Um, really the difference to me in this team is going to be the run game. 
um, with the 30th ranked rushing attack of the Chargers, taking on the 14th rush, uh, rushing attack in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And defenses are very, very similar with the Chargers having the upper hand in the passing game, but their rush defense is still evidence of last year still being very, very suspect. What are your thoughts on this team as we break this down? I think I have to roll the team that's been more impressive to me in the last few months, in the last month, and that's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, playing three tough divisional games um, against two teams that always play hard against you, that always go for you. To me, that's more impressive than what the Chargers have been able to do this year. And it all goes back to the coaching, and I think that Doug Peterson's about to outcoach Brandon Staley. Yeah, I trust. Believe it or not, I I can't believe I'm saying this. I like um I like Doug Peterson's team over Brandon Staley. I don't think uh, I think this is uh, Doug Peterson has done a very fine job with this club this year and everything. I um also think the you know like I said, Jacksonville Jaguars are hot right now. Uh, this has been a Chargers team that's fairly underperformed. Um, I know the record, you know says what it is and everything, but they've never been really that impressive this year. And that's what concerns me about um, the Chargers this year. They're supposed to be a team that's supposed to get They're supposed to be getting over that home. Herbert's a fine quarterback, believe you me, but it's the, you know, to me, he's the only bright spot to this team. Everyone else is, you know, kind of underperforming. Yeah, he has a bad run game, doesn't have the best offensive line. Uh, defense has some spots to them, but his best receiver is who, Keenan Allen? How old is he now? I mean, he's definitely up there now. So what, 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 you know, what exactly have they put around him? Nothing. And that division's not getting any easier. And I'm, t- and I'm telling you one thing. Me and you have talked about this whole seat, this whole season on this show, um, on the on the different platforms and everything. And we have both said this Jacksonville Jaguars team on paper, on paper doesn't surprise you. But when you look at this, this when you look at the stats, you're going to be very surprised and see, oh my God, this team is actually top ten in a lot of statistics this year. Yeah, it's just it's been a complete overhaul, and what a year a different you know what a difference a year can make going from just a team with a, no real offensive identity at all, not well coached, not well disciplined, and just not a lot to work with. You know, had some draft picks get hurt to just th- all they really did they made a coaching change. That that's it. Yeah. That's it. There were and Etienne was healthy. There hasn't been a whole lot else that went into this. Their first overall pick, um, what's his name? Uh, Walker hasn't really played all that well, so he can't attribute it to him. He's been okay. He hasn't been great. Yeah, He's been better in the last month for sure. So I would say just a coaching change, a culture change, and, of course, letting Trevor Lawrence play like he did in college, it's really helped them, and they're ahead of schedule. I mean, this this would net – this would not have happened if they held on to Urban Meyer. They'd still be a, drafting in probably the first five picks. Yeah, I, I think Doug Peterson has been a higher of the year. I think he's a very sneaky head coach of the year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, something to keep an eye out for. I know when we talk about award season here in a bit, and everything, we'll be talking about that. So now, 
Now, Sloan, let's talk about the Sunday window, where we talk about the Giants and the Vikings. This, in my opinion, uh, this is actually going to be a rematch of, um, I believe it was, uh, what, Christmas Day? Um, was it? Yeah, it was Christmas Eve, where these teams met up in Minnesota, same venue. It was 27-24 in a, you know, in a very, very closely contested game um, between these two squads here and everything. And what are we expecting between these two squads again at the same venue in Minnesota? I think it's going to be another good game. I still think it's going to be another one-possession game. I do think that the Giants will bounce back and win by a field goal, if I'm being honest with you. I think down the stretch, they recovered from that losing streak, and they played some pretty good football. They played some pretty disciplined football. And I've seen the Vikings kind of flounder here at the end. So that's that's my big concern. And, of course, another concern is Kirk Cousins in the postseason. Uh, I have the Giants winning by a field goal in a somewhat low-scoring affair, twenty to seventeen. Yeah, I. So when we look, when we break. So when we um, break down, when we break down uh, both of these teams, Sloan here and everything. Um, so we, obviously it's a man, man. You know, Vikings had a number five offense. It's going to be, you know, they're good. You know, they've been, you know, even with Dalvin Cook. Our number 27 ranked rushing attack this year. They're only averaging 97 yards a game, which is mm. very sad for, uh, you know, what is supposedly a dominant running back this year. When you look at the Giants, obviously, you have Saquon Barkley, their number four for rushing attack. They have a two, they have a nice two prime running attack in Matt Brietta, uh, obviously, Saquon Barkley and Matt Brietta. Um, you know, Daniel Jones hasn't, isn't the best stat guy. But he can put yards on the ground, and he makes accurate throws. Sure, he turns the ball over at times and everything, but there's not a lot of talent there. But he does – he's been taking care of the ball in recent weeks and everything. Both of these defenses aren't really – aren't that great. Minnesota's historic is really bad. Um, the Giants are not as bad. But I like the Giants' pass rush. I think the Giants' pass rush in this game is going to be the difference because the the – the Minnesota Vikings, um, against that game in Green Bay, they lost two offensive linemen. They're not going to be as strong as they were against the Giants back um, a few weeks ago here and everything. I'm gonna ha- I, I agree with your projection here. I like the Giants in a 24 – like, I'm going to say 24-20, the Giants win this game. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team that's not a divisional opponent twice in one year. It's really hard to do. And, and, and the the thing is that I know the the both of these teams have played one score games the entire year. I think it's finally the time. I, I, I think everyone is in agreement. The Vikings are due to lose a one score game. Yes, and that is what I'm I'm going to pick at, at the worst possible time, which is going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. This, it, I, I, I think, I, in all honesty, Sloan, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. I agree. I agree. I, I think it's two conflicting styles, and I think it's a good matchup. So, perfect. So, we go to the um, – we go to the uh, mid after, um, the mid-afternoon game. Uh, that was the NFC game, uh, NFC game at 4.30. We're going to go with the 1 o'clock start time. Um, on CBS, which is going to be the Dolphins and the Bills, which they've produced two really good games in the regular season, both these squads and everything. 
Might be a little bit different this time, given the tour bat situation. We're going to see what happens if it's going to be Tua, if it's going to be Stoward Thompson, or if it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Nobody seems to know. The Bills are a nine-point favorite in this game. It's going to be in Buffalo, New York. 46.5 is going to be the over-under here. We're going to take a look. Both of these offenses, obviously, are going to be pretty high high power here. And I think the Bills are almost across the board the better team. Um, number two on offense, number seven on defense. Dolphins are, t- are number six on offense, number 18 on defense. Uh, they are – Bills are very good. Uh, the Bills are a really good um, – Obviously, just overall team, uh, number one team on third down this year. Dolphins are actually a pretty good team on stopping the run, um, but they're not as good as stopping the pass. I think the the thing is, this it's tough to beat. It is tough to beat the same. Uh, it, it's tough to beat the same team. No one's going to beat the same thing three times as these teams put the regular season season uh, series at one and one. I think there's a difference the thing in Buffalo. The Dolphins' quarterback situation is murky. Um, if Tua is starting this game, I think this game is a little bit closer. I like the Bills to win this game. I would actually, believe it or not, stay away from betting this game. Yeah, I would stay away from betting it too just because of the concerns at quarterback. We really don't know who's going to come out there. But I think regardless, the Bills still have way more talent. And I think they win this one pretty handedly. But again, I'd wouldn't bet on that. Nine points is tough. Um, and I always say that because um, I think the Bills play down under competition. I, you know, this is not, I don't think the Bills are going to come, come out game busters in this game. I think they're going to, I think they're going to overlook the Dolphins in a way. This Dolphins team has some fight and they played some damn good games against the Bills this year. Yeah. Now, and something for consideration, Tyree Hill is also is probable for this game with a knee injury. So something he, because he's been the driving force of that offense this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's it seems like if they don't hit him fifty yards deep, they really don't have a way to get the offense going. And Waddle's too inconsistent for me. Yeah, he, he's he's gotten worse the last few, uh, four or five weeks. Well, outside of Green Bay game, but he had, you know, it's easy when you have like an eighty-yard pass play. Yeah, he yeah. Have to do well, and every or when teams are double teaming, teaming that we We get to the late after, we have a week seven. We have a week eighteen. We have last week's meeting match. We did a double feature. These teams both to stay get to stay in Cincinnati again with the Ravens and the Bengals. This game will be featured on NBC for Sunday Night Football. Questions to be to be held if it's going to be Lamar Jackson at tar- quarterback. If it's going to be uh, Tower Hurry at quarterback, it's all going to be very depending. Um, but the Bengals are going to be the seven-point favorite. Over/under is going to be forty-two points. Um, when you look at both of these teams, um, obviously it's going to be very discrepancy because of a lot of things with the Ravens' offense. They're second-ranked rushing team in the league. Uh, Bengals obviously are the number seven overall offense, um, number five in passing yards with 29th rank rushing. You know, Mixon has done very well in the touchdown department. Um, both of these teams are pretty equally matched on the defensive side of the football, but the Ravens really stuffing the run. They're very good at stuffing the run um, this year. Um, 
Your thoughts on this Dave song? I think the Ravens have a couple red flags at the quarterback position. Lamar's going to be hurt. Huntley hasn't shown that he's, to be honest with you, able to win a big game like this, being that he's a backup quarterback. And I think the Bengals are primed to be a big sleeper in the AFC. And I think they Again. Uh, yeah, I think, to be honest with you, I have this kind of being a blowout as well. I think they beat the Ravens pretty handedly. And Lamar Jackson's last game is a Raven. I don't think Anthony Brown's going to be the quarterback um, this week as he was last week here and everything. Let me take a look at the um, injury report for the So if Lamar Jackson, they're saying he's going to be back, but I don't. Th- I really don't think he's going to be playing this. I really don't think he's going to be playing this team. I really don't. Um, I have to go off the Bengals here. I think they're the higher team. They are my AFC. They actually are my sleeper AFC pick to win the conference again. Um, I just love what this team does on all facets of the football. I think they are a very, very sneaky team to repeat as AFC champion, and no one's giving them credit right now. Yeah, it, it all goes back to how weird they kind of were in the first five or six weeks, but they really come together. They really come together, and I don't like – I even if Lamar is healthy, I am not a fan of how that team is playing football. No, they haven't played very well in the last few weeks. Nope, they have not. So I am going – I me and you are in agreement there. We are going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Finally, Sloan. We get ESPN's absolute orgasm of a game with <laughs> with the with the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Thank God I'm not watching ESPN like they used to because they are going to be all over this game. Cowboys are a two and a half point favorite. Forty six and a half is going to be a point spread for the is going to be the over under for this game. Cowboys have been are reeling. Um, they're twelve and five versus eight and nine. Buccaneers are the only losing record team in the playoffs. Um, team has not been, you know, necessarily performing all of that well in here and everything. But I looked at the stats. Very interesting year. Thirteenth and fifteenth ranked total offenses in the league. Um, Buccaneers are in the second ranked passing attack. All because they absolutely cannot run the football. They only average 76.9 yards a game versus the Cowboys, who have the ninth-ranked rushing attack and 135 uh, yards a game. Um, Cowboys are the fourth-ranked in points. Both defenses are surprisingly very equal on paper. Uh, this is a Bucks defense. This is we've talked about the Bucks. Defense, uh, the Bucks offense underperforming this year, but it's really been the Bucks defense in recent weeks that have been underperforming as well. Both of these teams, we don't know what to expect. What do you expect in this game, Stone? Uh, I expect a kind of a higher scoring game than what they might be predicting. So I'll take the over on the 46 and a half. But I'm actually picking the Cowboys. I think the Buccaneers got in just because they were in a really weak division. I think it's Tom Brady's last game as a Buccaneer. And I think the Dallas Cowboys get a pretty easy first-round win. Yeah, I um, – it's not for me to pick this one. I think this game is going to be close for three quarters. 
I think the refs and Brady are going to try to make this game close as possible. Um, but however, I, I do not like this fucking, I, I said before, and I said this again, I do not like how this Buccaneers team has played over really this entire year. They've been very unimpressive to me in a year that they should be impressive. Um, because I think they had, there's still some talent there on paper and everything. I think Todd Bowles is a very, um, is in a very hot seat right now for his, for his job. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to keep him um, as the head coach, at least for this team. Um, with that being said, I am going against everyone's wildest, the non-football fans' wildest expectations and picking against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And I'm going to pick the I'm going to pick the Cowboys in a very ugly. I am going to say, I am going to say a 18. To, I'm doing though 18 to 10 football game. Mm. It's gonna be an ugly game, I think. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Perfect. Any crazy predictions this week, Sloan, before we sign off today? I think Tom Brady throws three interceptions. I actually agree with that one, and I am going to say that Joe Burrow froze for three touchdowns. Nice. I think Joe Burrow is on the desk, is on the path to greatness in the lead. I think he's. I think uh, I forget. I was talking to either a coworker. I think I was talking. Yeah, I was talking to a coworker out in California, and me and him both said that Joe Burrow is going to be the next, is going to be the biggest star in the NFL in the next few years. Agreed. Everyone says Mahomes or Josh Allen. No, it's going to be Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's really coming along in his development. Yeah, he he has. But perfect. We will keep everybody up to date, of course. But, Sloan, I do thank you very much for jumping on a date early here and everything. Thank you very much for joining us for the 3rd and Eat podcast. Please follow us, of course, on Spotify, iTunes, and here on Anchor. Uh, this is Patrick Prendergast for Sloan Wild, Sloan signing off. I'll be good. Thanks so much.